Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Wednesday, December the 7th, 2022, 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, Virginia. Let me just start out by saying <clears throat> I have no clue what happened yesterday. I was speaking and said that everything was fine, and then I saw somebody commented, there's no sound, and then poof, the video ended. <clears throat> I have no clue what happened. What my internet? Um, it could have something to do with Facebook changing yet again how they do things. I, I, and I know I sound like a very old person right now, like I'm trying to figure out how to record gun smoke on my VCR and that kind of thing. But really, I have no clue why they change things so often. Like I said yesterday, now um, when I do live stream, I'm looking now, it used to be I could see the whole screen, I could see myself, that kind of thing. Now it's like a tiny little picture of me and then all this other stuff with 8,000 different buttons I could use, which it makes me want to say, who on earth that's live streaming is going to be able to click on any of this stuff? It doesn't matter. Hopefully today things work. I cannot express to you though, how frustrating it is to prepare and to be uh, offering the devotional and then poof, it's gone. Hey, maybe try again tomorrow. But I know it's not only frustrating for me, I know it's frustrating for you. So I thank you very much for hanging in there as we deal with technology. I don't know what else to say. Um, yesterday, I went back and watched where things ended. And I think where we really had made it through in John chapter 15 is verse 18 with this promise that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Of course, this is Jesus speaking here to his disciples. By extension, this certainly is for you and me today. And it's by no mistake that Jesus says this right after he says in verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Y'all, love is not just the happy, good time feeling thing. It's not just the emotion. Love can never be separated from the truth. And so if you are truthful with those around you, if you're truthful with the world around you, then there is a pretty good likelihood that the world is going to hate you for it. Y'all, we don't like it when things are pointed out to us that, that, that we're not doing correctly or, you know, pride is so intrinsically a part of every single one of us. It, it is such a motivator, whether we realize it or not, but also um, it is our first desire, our first yearning to gratify sinful desire within ourselves. And so if you're telling the truth, if you are loving one another, um, then from time to time, this means sharing the truth of a situation. And the world hates that. The, the world is bent on destruction. It doesn't know that it is, but it is. And so Jesus says in verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Now, we're going to pick up there in verse 19 following and it, where Jesus is going to flesh this idea out a little bit more. But let me pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please be with us now. Help us to understand. Guide us in this time. Work in our hearts so that we would see the connection between who we are today, September 7th, or whenever somebody finds this, but 2022, 2023, the connection between us today and what your son spoke some 2,000 years ago to disciples who were all gone um, almost 2,000 years ago. Father, let us not fall into this temptation of thinking this is archaic or, 
or on the other hand, some lofty philosophical thing that has no application to life. Help us to see the relevance of your word. Help us to be captive to your word. Guide us now by your Holy Spirit, please. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so verse 18, John chapter 15, if the world hates you, this is Jesus speaking, keep in mind it hated me first. And where we pick up today, verse 19, he says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, pause right there for a second. I alluded to this this past Sunday, right? We are living in this time, at least in the West, and I don't mean Western United States, I mean uh, Europe, United States, North America, right? We are living in this time where it has never been more, quote, popular to be kind, right? You see bumper stickers everywhere, and the world always talks about be a good human, be kind, and that's that's part of the new Apostles' Creed for, for the liberal age, right? You, you've seen it in yards, like we believe in science, uh, women's rights or human rights, and all these other things, when it's all it is is the liberal agenda, right? It's just them receiving the signal from the overlord, and then they repeat it. But being kind to one another is part of that. But you ever notice that the world talks all about kindness unless you disagree with the world? Yeah, the world is all about being a good human being unless you hold a different viewpoint than the world holds. And then what does the world do? Oh, my goodness, the world devours you. If you dare question anything from plastic straws to giving hormones to children to change their genders to whatever, right? The world is out of its mind. But that makes sense, right? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14, 1, fools do foolish things. Foolery mounts up on itself. And all of these different things come into play here. But the basic principle that Jesus has revealed, doesn't it point to today? Let us not ever think that God's word is not applicable to today. He basically says here in verse 19, look, if you belong to the world, now obviously he's talking to his disciples, by extension, this is for those who follow Christ. And he's saying, if you belong to the world, you'd be in good shape. The world would have no issue with you. But you don't belong to the world. I've chosen you out of the world, and as a result, the world hates you. Guys, what you see on display around you is the world devouring itself right? It, 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 with these standards that can never be met, not to mention the grand hypocrisy of it all, but especially as it relates to Christians and to Christianity. You want to know why freedoms are vanishing and these things? Because what you see is no more than the culmination of the hatred of the world for those who are not of the world. And guys, this is not something to be celebrated when persecution comes, but it is something to be greeted with joy because it's evidence of the fact that, that we're following Christ. Now, that being said, I'm not saying that we need to go looking for it. I'm not saying that we need to provoke persecution or anything like that. I'm just simply pointing you to the very clear application of what Jesus has said here. Those that really follow him don't belong to the world. In any ecosystem, that thing which is odd, that thing which does not fit is ostracized, right? It's cast out. Guys, look at the world around you. 
look at the type of person that is embraced in the world around you. Okay, and I'm not just talking about physical appearance. I'm talking about ideology. I'm talking about the principles by which people abide. And it's everything. I don't have to get into this with y'all. You know this. It's everything from the transgender stuff to you know, socialism is a new ideal that is to be embraced by the world around you. And I'm not saying that if you agree with socialism, you're not a Christian. But if you disagree, you are. That, that's not what I'm saying. So please don't include that. But y'all, again, if you embrace the world's ideas, then the world won't have any issue with you. Now, that means that you'll live a life of ease, but ultimately it'll end in destruction. And if you want to know what's going on with the church, that's what's happening. You know, the idea that somebody had, and I don't know who the first one to have it was, it was probably Satan that put it in the minds of churches, uh, was this idea for the church to adapt to the world around it. And then maybe people will come and then maybe people will support us. Well, lo and behold, what that's translated to is I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, and the gospel isn't important anymore. And this is not just happening in California. It's happening within a few miles of right here in Spotswood, Virginia. It's everywhere now. And the promise of Christ is, if you follow him, the world's going to hate you. And that ought to be an indicator for us. If you're following Jesus, then you shouldn't look like the world. If you're following the ideals that Jesus presents, then you're going to disagree with the world. Churches missed that memo, apparently. A lot of churches did. And if you're in a church <laughs> that is like that, I'm sorry to say you're not in a church anymore. And I'm also sorry to say that that's a big reason why a lot of churches are dying. If there's no testimony, if there's no witness, if, if you have nothing in your church um, that that separates you from the world. I got news for you. I mean, you know, if, if, if there is no idea of you need Jesus or you're going to perish, well, people can do all sorts of things to make themselves feel better. You know, the, the church has relegated itself to a humanitarian organization. The fact is, is that you can go to a soup kitchen and feel good about yourself. You can give to the United Way. You can give to ACLU. You can do all sorts of things out there. But if the church has nothing that distinguishes it from the world, like, oh, I don't know, Jesus, then the church has nothing to offer. That's why a lot of churches are dying. But that's not the picture that we get from God's word. In fact, we are told that if you're following Jesus, the world is going to hate you for it because you're so different from them. That's why Jesus says, I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Jesus is simply following this logical progression. He's saying, hey, look, and now he's already told them what's going to happen. Then realize where we're at. John chapter 15, very shortly hereafter, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be crucified. He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend back into heaven. But again, it's just this logical thing. Jesus is saying to them, okay, no servant's greater than his master. If I do these things and they kill me for it, 
doesn't it make sense that if you follow me and do the kind of things I'm doing that they're going to hate you too? Right? It, it, it's just a logical progression here. And if they, if the world hates you, then it makes sense that those who believe in Jesus would not hate you, but instead would love you. That's why he says, if they obey my teachings, they're going to obey your teachings also. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Y'all, basic stuff. Do you want to know why the world hates Christianity? Because the world doesn't know Jesus. You want to know why the world hates Christianity? Because the world does not know God. That's just how it works. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. Now, you know, we got to be a little careful here and realize that Jesus is talking about the context of his ministry specifically. But there is a larger truth that is applied here. He's talking about the Jews right here that have seen the miracles. They've seen the signs, all these different things that he's done. And he's saying, hey, if I had never showed up, they wouldn't be guilty. In other words, if they didn't know about me, they would bear no guilt. However, they know. They've seen, and they have rejected me. And because they've rejected me, they have rejected God the Father. As a side note, there's a lesson there for any religion that claims to be Christian in nature and yet rejects Jesus. And yes, I'm talking about Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and others. I know that they call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but they believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers, that Jesus has not always been, that he is not God the Son, they reject the Jesus of the Bible, and whether they realize it or not, they reject God at the same time. It's the same paradigm that was going on with the Jews here. But there is a greater principle that Jesus points to, y'all. Romans chapter 1 says it's very clear from nature that there is a God, that there's a, a creator, and yet people reject him. We know elsewhere that God's law is written on our hearts. That's why it doesn't matter where you go on earth. People know the difference between right and and wrong, and yet people still do wrong. They still reject God. Nobody has an excuse, y'all. Jesus has come into the world. Of all the things we celebrate at Christmas time, this is one that sometimes passes us by. But you know, Jesus coming into the world, God's law being written on every human being's heart, realize that truth serves two functions. The first, and primary function of truth is to illuminate, to show the way forward, and to change people's hearts so that people will hear the truth and respond to the truth as it relates to Jesus, so that they hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. But realize that's just the first part of truth. The second part of truth, the second feature of truth, is that truth is used as an indictment. No one can claim to be ignorant. No one will ever stand before God and say, oh, well, God, I, I didn't know that I was supposed to fill in the blank. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to kill people. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to steal. No, everybody knows so that everyone is without excuse. And the truth is primarily used to change people. But at the last day, truth is used as an indictment. 
Jesus points out this reality here as it relates to the Jews, as it relates to the people rejecting him, as it relates to even fulfilling what was in the law that they hated me without reason. But the larger principle applies across the board. No one has an excuse. We all know what we are called to do. And as it relates to this, Jesus is simply pointing out the very truth here. To that end, he continues in verse 26 by saying, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Y'all, putting the capstone on things, as it were, after Jesus talks about the world rejecting him, the world hating him, and as a result, hating his people, the way that Jesus ends this section really is by saying that the Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to come, who is the spirit of truth, right? He's going out from the Father. He's going to testify about me. And therefore, in light of this world that has rejected me, this world that hates me, this world that will hate you, your job is to testify about me also. Y'all, there is only one remedy for the world that hates the followers of Christ. There is only one thing that will fix the world. And it's not you and I changing. Right. Well, I say that we could always be more faithful. What I'm saying is the we're fixing this problem of the world hating Christians. It doesn't come down to changing the message of Christianity. It comes down to testifying about Jesus Christ so that people would be saved. Y'all, this message that we carry. It's not ours. Again, I've talked about some of the mistakes the church has made along the way, but perhaps the biggest is this low view of scripture and this idea that we get to change the message of Jesus Christ. I don't understand that haughtiness. I don't understand that level of wicked pride that, that a pastor can get in a pulpit and say, even though Jesus says these kinds of things, I'm going to preach a message where I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, and it doesn't matter if you do anything that Jesus says. Even though Jesus says, you are my friends, if you do what I command, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I don't understand churches that say, well, we're just going to forget about that. Or we're just going to forget about whole entire sections of God's word. And instead, we're going to change the message to attract people. Well, it's true i guess in some circumstances you might attract people but you'll turn them into the sons of hell because if you think you can change the message of the bible then you probably are a son or a daughter of hell too if you've given yourself the right to make a mockery out of god's word you don't know jesus I don't know any other way to say that, y'all, because if you know Jesus, you love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you realize that he is the living word. And to take big chunks out of him, it just doesn't match up, right? The only remedy to the world around us is telling the world about Jesus, telling the world the message of Jesus Christ that is not ours, but has simply been entrusted to us. And then in telling the message, 
We pray that the Holy Spirit would convict and regenerate and that person would become a believer and then they too would follow Christ and carry the message. That's what Jesus promised. That's how the world should work or the church should work in the world around us. This is not complicated. And yet, it's often missed. Well, you and I can't do anything about the conviction of anyone else's heart except for our own. And we must be convicted that Jesus is the answer. We must be convicted to do what Jesus said here. Verse 27, and you also must testify. Again, no asterisk there, no footnote. Um, Jesus isn't saying maybe if you get around to it, testify, or I want you to consider testifying. No, you must. I must. And doesn't that make sense? If the world is bound for destruction and Jesus really is the only salvation, and he is, then shouldn't we want to tell? The answer, of course, is yes. So what do we do? Yeah, I talk all the time about these things. What do we really do? Let me encourage you to do a few things. Number one, let me encourage you to spend time in prayer, asking God to show you what he would have you do. When's the last time you woke up and said, God, what do you want me to do today? Hmm. Take the time to do that. Number two, get in the word. Read the word of God. Be captive to the word of God. The power is in the word of God. Number three, how's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you doing everything you can to follow the Spirit? Are you listening for the Spirit's calling? No, I'm not talking about special revelation or anything like that. What I'm saying is, are you open to the fact that the Spirit may be directing you to do something with somebody? I don't know. I'm not the Spirit. But are you open to the Spirit? And number four, are you actively looking for opportunities to testify? Are you actively looking for opportunities to share what you know about Jesus? And y'all, this doesn't have to be some big formal thing. It can just be a simple conversation with somebody. Number five, do you have that conversation with yourself first? You know, we need to preach the gospel, starting with ourselves. Consider these things, and if you're on here and you know that you don't know Jesus, don't, I cannot change your heart, but it is my greatest desire that your eyes would be open, that you would see, that you're at a loss, that you would see what's really going on in the world around you. It, it's there if you look at it. Just look at it. See what's going on in the world around you and realize that there is hope in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time today. I thank you that it seems as though the internet was working. I, I hope so. If not, then, then I've just been preaching to myself, and that's okay, too. Um, but Father, in light of these things, let us not grow weary, but instead bolster us again and again as we seek your face, as we share the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Let's see. I see Rose. Good morning. And then there's Becky and Becky. Good morning. And Elizabeth and Christine and Alice. And thank you very much, Christine. 
looks like things worked. Hopefully they will again tomorrow. Until then, I hope you all have a fantastic Wednesday. If you're in Spotswood tonight, we, uh, we're going to have prayer meeting and Bible study, 645. We're going to be talking about the Bethlehem Star tonight, interestingly enough. Um, Christmas is right around the corner. But anyway, I appreciate you all, and Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, have a happy Wednesday.